and we are back. We black. And we're black as usual. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> so guys, another episode yes. of the Tinseltown T one episode fifty two beach. My God, my God. <laughs> That's yep. great, crazy. So <laughs> Yep, we're we're in this thing for real, for real. Episode fifty two. We're going to be doing a review this time. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. tell you what it is when we get to the main segment. But All thank right. you guys for listening to another episode. Um, <laughs> side note: we now are on YouTube. I have figured out how to upload videos on there. So from now on, all of our episodes will be on YouTube as well. Ah. You can get the link in our bio on Instagram or just search Tinseltown Tea on YouTube. I'm sure we'll come up. So if you're one of those people who likes to listen to podcasts and watch it, because hello, our facial expressions are funny, but then watch us on YouTube. Mm. Um, Another thing, letting you know, guys know right now, stop what you're doing. Subscribe stop. to the podcast. Subscribe. Leave us a rating, a review, whatever for the podcast. Comment, please. Um, go to our Instagram. Do comment it. to. Um, subscribe to the YouTube. Please. Like the YouTube video that we just posted. Like um, All of those teams, they really help Double us um, in terms of engagement. Mm-hmm. We work hella hard on the show for y'all. Day in yes. and day move it out. Okay, mm-hmm. they move it out. Okay. So anything helps. So I will be saying at the, that at the beginning of every episode from now the fuck on. Okay. Please. Yes. So <laughs> anyways, let's start the show. So let's if go. you're new, just a rundown. We do would you rather as an intro, then we do our no better, do better, which is where we give a tip or trick or lesson learned from our journeys as screenwriters in the industry. Then we talk about news, preferably black and brown news. Then we get into the main segments, and then mm-hmm. we do our niggas you should know, where we highlight some black folks that you should motherfucking know. Period. Shit. Period. Um, so yeah, there it is. Let's get started. Let's our go. Would You Rather today okay. is a very creepy one, but hello, it's spooky season. It's October, bitch. Halloween is right on the corner, so let's get yes. into it. Yes, yes, would yes. you rather always feel like someone is following you, but no one actually is, Ooh. or... You always feel like someone is watching you, even though no one actually is. So would you rather always feel like you're being followed, which is a creepy feeling, or always feel like you're being watched, which is also a creepy ass feeling? Hate both. What do you think? Woo. <laughs> See, either way, I'm going to be paranoid. Because if I feel like someone's always yeah. <laughs> following me, I'm always be looking around in my house by myself like, his in here as well. And if I feel like somebody's always looking at me, if I'm outside, then I feel like, are these motherfuckers following me as well? Goddamn. Um, so I, this is hard. Um, both of these are beautifully terrifying. I'm glad that the caveat is that no one is doing such. Um, but I feel like I would say, feel like someone's always following you, but not. So like, to me, it's like if I'm outside and I'm walking around, it feels like someone's following me, but they're not. So like home feel will always feel like a safe space, if that makes sense. If someone, if I feel like someone's always watching me, I feel like even at home, I would be like, someone watching me right now? Like, ah, like I would feel, it would feel, I feel like there would be like no safe space. Um, either way, it feels like you. I, I would just mean, die. Yeah. I mean, or just honestly just go into some hard drug just dive just like just 
you know what? Yeah, I'll just go right in that thing. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> it's too much. This whole life shit ain't working out. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Just go ahead and cut those lines for me and just, just, because mm. <laughs> what? It's too much. Uh, this is ridiculous. Too much. Um, so how about you? <laughs> yeah. I think I would do because the feeling of always feeling like you're being washed is gross as hell. Yes. And not super into it. Yeah. And also, um, feeling of being followed sucks too. But yeah. I mean, like you said, if I'm being followed in my house, then I feel like I have, or I feel like I'm being followed in my house, like I have more control over yeah. the situation some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe, you know, I could get it together. But yeah, I think I would rather just feel like I'm being followed and then maybe that'll uh, get me to learn like jujitsu or some shit so I can be a bad bitch. <laughs> yes. um, that'll make me want to do that. So yeah, I think I think I would, would do that. Yeah. Either way, but either way, it's no. <laughs> None of them are things that I would want to live with. So no, that shit is no ma'am. Woo, that is scary as hell. I remember one time, like before when I cut my locks, like I'm so scary that I think a lock just like I put it up and the lock just like hit me on my neck. And I swear to God, I thought I was going to meet my maker that moment. It was like, oh my God. Oh, okay. It's just my hair. <laughs> it was me. It was literally me. So, like, yeah. Whew, I couldn't. Yeah. Nope. I, that's not a life that I should be um, living at all. At all. Hey, at all. Okay. At all. Hey. Whew. All right. Not fun. Not fun at all. But yeah, we're going to move right along into the know better, do better. And uh, yeah, I got that this week. And the know better, do better is really simple. Um, I encourage it for everyone, but schedule breaks, um, particularly when it comes to writing, when it comes to working, like we should always sort of be a little bit more intentional about our breaks. Um, yeah, I mean, work personal life, whatever, like whatever you need to take a break from, take a breather from, whether it's a vacation or if it's like uh, some people plan like one weekly, like a daily break. Like sometimes you need to walk away from the computer and just, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. readjust your eyes. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's weekly where you're just like, you know what? I am not doing anything on Sundays for real. It's going to be a real Sabbath in this motherfucker because some people schedule, y'all got every day working. I'm like, oh my God. And sometimes it's by circumstance. Like some of us have to have two, three, four jobs just to make ends meet and do what we got to do, which is completely understandable, particularly during these times. But we still have to find ways to take care of ourselves. Um, And especially when in context of writing, like there are reasons why you need to take breaks. So um, there's three good reasons and it's outlined in the rightpractice.com, right spelled W-R-I-T-E. And one thing that they mentioned is uh, it fends off burnout and you don't want to be too burned out where you just get to a point you've worked yourself so much that you can't even think creatively. You can't even write creatively. You can't, you just, you're just so tired. Um, the second reason we need to schedule breaks is because it gives us a new perspective. You know, when you are rejuvenated and you're thinking clearly, you can see things in a different way than before. Um, and I know for a lot of people, if we are constantly feeling overwhelmed, that can also d- dabble and dip into mental health stuff, you know, rise in anxiety, sometimes depression. So it's like when you're in those states and you can't see things clearly, it's hard to 
write and, and produce and do what you need to do in general. And then the third thing that they recommended also that breaks are good for is a refreshed mind. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the new perspective, but like you just, sometimes you just need a break so your mind can just readjust and, and like you can look at things better. I know when, if I'm looking at something too long, if I take a break and I go back, especially if I'm looking for like um, gra grammatical mistakes, I'll go back and like sometimes I'll like write things and leave things out like a the, like a little small article. But it helps, especially in dialogue and in action, you know what I mean? So the little things that we miss, if our mind is refreshed and we take a break, you're able to like really have better writing and really, you know, represent your work the best that you can. And also like, we just need a break. We're human beings. We can't go 24 seven all the time. It actually makes us sick. Thanks. It's actually not good for us. So yeah. Um, yeah, the no better, do better for this week is make sure you intentionally schedule those breaks whenever you need them and don't feel bad. You know, we're in a society where it's like you're only productive if you're doing 10 different things all at once, all the time. If you take a break, you're like unproductive and lazy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, okay, sometimes like, no, <laughs> it's okay. You know, sometimes in our life we're going to go hard, but do not be ashamed to take a break and also practicing those boundaries so you're not just doing the most all at once. So yeah, schedule those breaks. Facts, facts, facts. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Yep. I mean, you can't, you really, like you said, you can't go, go, go all the time. Like you really need to like, if you got a fucking planner, right? At three o'clock, bitch, I'm taking a whole ass break. Don't bother me. Do not disturb. It's all. Leave me the fuck alone. And I'm Period. doing all that and the other. So yeah definitely true when it comes to your work as well it's just like shit just gets stale after a while if that's all you're doing is like yes. focusing on a project you're not gonna you ain't gonna finish your shit like going back to my Stephen King uh memoir that I'm still reading I'm at nice. the point where he's talking about different drafts and he's saying you're supposed to write at least three drafts of whatever book or whatever you're supposed to you're doing and take six weeks six week breaks in between each draft wow. and he was saying like do not even touch it don't look at it don't read it in that six mm -hmm. weeks live your goddamn life mm -hmm. then come back to it after six weeks to start on the next draft so mm -hmm. i'm gonna actually take that also account into yeah. kind of my work i think it's good advice yeah. um some people are like six weeks yeah but i mean if you spent all this time writing something every day and going hard 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 um, I think six weeks is good for you to like just do something else, get your mind on something else, and then come back and start on the mm -hmm. second draft. Um, because within that six weeks, you'll think about something that you wrote and be like, oh, maybe I can like switch that around next time, or maybe I need to like change that that about the character, that trait, mm -hmm. or something like that. So it mm -hmm. gives you time to also just live your life, relax, and then come back to it. Because when you're writing a project, it takes a lot of your life and a lot of your yep. time, especially if it's like writing is something that you do full time. Like you don't yep. have another job you got to go to hot praise you, you know, mm -hmm. if you have that lifestyle, but especially if it's something that you're like doing every single day that you right. got to just let it go mm -hmm. um, for a little bit mm -hmm. so you can get your mind clear and be ready to, to fix it and do what you got to do. Yeah. Sometimes clarity comes from peace. Okay. And, you know, just stillness. Ooh. I was trying to do a little. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, shout out to Judith for that. Great No Better Do Better. Very relevant, I think, right now with, with yes. everyone like probably working on stuff. Just yes. take those motherfucking breaks, y'all. Please. Can't stress it enough. Please. Okay. So next we are gonna get straight into the news. Let's we go. have some really cool news stories today. I'm very excited to get into these. So first one. I mean, this one isn't exciting. Um, it's about mm-hmm. Sir Chadwick Bozeman, who we are yep. still celebrating to this day. Still very Ooh. sad that he had left us. But his wife, I believe her name is Taylor Simone Ledward, mm-hmm. she is going to court to protect the late actor's assets. Mm-hmm. Um, she's filed a probate case with the Los Angeles court system in an effort to be named the executor of Bozeman's estate, which has a value of nearly $1 million. The case is necessary. Mm-hmm. Since when Bozeman died, he didn't have a will. Mm. Her, um, his parents are also listed along with Ledward in the filing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's worth a lot more than that. That's probably mm-hmm. just a estimation of his assets and mm-hmm. stuff. But I think, yeah, I mean, why not? She was his wife, and usually it does go to the wife next. And um, that's kind of sad that he wasn't able to do a will beforehand. And this is a a lesson for everyone. Make sure that you have your will. Even if you're young and you're like, bitch, I got years to live. You don't know. I mean, sadly, that sounds really dark, but you don't don't know. So that is something that. Um, I don't think people preach enough is that you need yeah. to leave a will. Even if you don't have assets, you got something and yeah. that could help your family out in the event that something would happen to you. So yeah. sounds really dark, but it's, it's just, it's just it's true facts. guys. So yeah. um, I'm glad that she was able to do that and hopefully um, she'll be able to um, get that together and everything yeah. goes well in that. Um, let's still pray for her. I'm sure she is still very sad. She lost her whole ass husband, guys. Like, hello. So let's still pray for her and his parents, anybody affected, and continue to lift them up Mm -hmm. and lift his um, memory up with only positivity and uh, grace. Mm-hmm. So next, we're gonna be talking about Miss Mona Scott Yulcha. Miss Mona Yeah. So she said, "I'm sorry to you, reality TV hoes. Y'all getting on my nerves with the kiki and the kaka and the going back and forth shit. I'm going to scripted. So she is shifting from reality TV to scripted. She's gonna be doing a drama called Shaka Zulu. Come on. Um. I'm ready. Bitch, okay. <laughs> she said, she said, bitch, I'm black as hell if y'all didn't know. Period. So, she is the owner of Mona Me Entertainment and mm-hmm. Mona Me Productions. Mm-hmm. And she told Deadline, which is another publication, that she has several mm-hmm. projects in development. Not just one like- of which is the remake of the classic South African drama Shaka Zulu. She has teamed up with the South African production company New Vision for the remake of the series. And this is a quote from her. This is a brilliant classic. And when you think about thematically what it represents, there are parallels with what we are experiencing now. It's strategic rebellion, right? Understanding that now is the time for people to take a stand about the things that are wrong to not allow themselves to be victimized. That was what Shaka's legacy was about. He was a masterful and strategic general. She says, so 
Um, she's still going to have Love and Hip Hop, which is, oh, I mean, I'm sure you girls still watch it, but um, it's kind of like, eh, not really showing us in the best light, which I'm like, okay, she's trying to do the Shaka Zulu thing and show us in a good light, but then also perpetuate those stereotypes with Love and Hip Hop type foolery. But I mean, the girls love it. So I'm one of those, people. you know, I really <laughs> should not be watching Love and Hip Hop as much as I do, but the fights are so <laughs> epic. It's like, let me take some notes. Not that I would ever be in any of these positions. Not, no. But like, wow. Like, and, uh, the, okay. The tomfoolery, yes. It is shenanigans and ridiculous. Would we have a Cardi B if it wasn't for the love and hip hops of the world? Like, very true. You know, like it's giving people a platform to build themselves up, and like, you know, so that that is a part that I do love. And even though it does show a lot of fights and and a lot of um, black people in, in like kind of a negative light, it does parlay away for a lot of um, the people on the show to have like businesses like anytime they have like businesses they're able to like start them up and get that like sort of uh recognition from the show to like build that so i actually enjoy seeing them actually building up their businesses and building up that clout through the show and still doing it that way so yes there are some bad things um but god sometimes you just need a good ratchet show i just <laughs> truly it's so bad but uh yeah Woo, and taking over all the cities too. Next time I want Love and Hip Hop Toronto. I want us to go international. I want it like take it over the world. Oh, please take it Ciao. over. Uh, yeah. Um, I live so she's still gonna continue Woo. Love and Hip Hop for you gals the that like it. Yep, because it is it is check. And uh she said that she embraces the challenges because a lot of people I guess are saying that she can't handle a drama series. Oh which wow. I don't see why you would say that because yeah, her her, her bags are all from the drama of folks. Um but she says that she is going to see what she can. She, you know, yeah. she believes that it's something that she can conquer and yeah. she embraces the challenge. So Shaka Zulu, we don't have any uh -huh. more details yeah. about where it's going to be, but it will be a drama and it is a remake of a South African story yeah. called Shaka okay. Zulu. That was a drama. So I'm here for it. I just imagine your... very chocolatey men, like <laughs> this grease stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I like that. <laughs> wherever it comes out yeah yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm here. i totally mm. agree so mm -hmm. if, if that is the case i will be giving it a whirl <laughs> either way period <laughs> give it a whirl guys because i'm interested to see her her shift mm -hmm. um from that to this mm -hmm. so next oh okay this looks cool so stanford and son a live reading Oh, sets cool. their cast. Sanai Lathan will direct How Cute. And I see D. Wade's picture up here. Interesting. So Sanford and Son is the latest sitcom to get the live reading treatment following the Golden Girls, Friends, and 227. Oh, so it will star Cedric the Entertainer, Lala Milan, and mm. Dwayne Wade. Okay. okay. <laughs> so okay. Cedric the Entertainer will be Fred. Wade will be Lamont. And Milan will be Esther. And okay. Wayne, <laughs> Esther. Wayne Brady is the host. And Sanai okay. Lathan is the director. Oh, nice. So, 
How curt. Um, cool. The Zoom event will help will also help viewers with increasing their political power through a sign-up process to receive messages on voting and other ways to use your voice during the political season. The event is also in collaboration with Zoom and will spotlight Pulso, a nonprofit media startup with a growing subscriber base of nearly 1 million Hispanic and Latinx people across the United mm. States. Okay. All right. Um, all right. I will look up what Pulso is. I've never heard of it. But, yeah, me either. Okay. So this will take place. Um, oh, so it already took place on October 13th oh. Oh, okay, at okay. 9 p.m. So it already happened. Okay. Um, the date coincides with the birthday. Oh, so it happened on the birthday of the original Sanford and Son star, Damond Wilson. So, oh, okay. Oh, that's so cute. That's beautiful. So you can probably find that or hopefully there's a playback or something. Yeah, that'd be great. I don't know if they've been doing playbacks of these, but I hope they do. Yeah, Because, so. like, I don't... I never catch things when they're like live. I just can never. It's like a a curse. I can never catch things as they're happening. So yeah, even when I See sign up for, oh, yeah, like right. I just <laughs> sign up for shit and be like, oh, that was oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully they got a playback or something for y'all of all of these because I wanted to watch the two to seven one. I want to watch the Golden Girls and I wanted yes. to watch the Friends one. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So next, now this one is so cute, y'all. So an eight-year-old did a pitch for a movie that he wanted to do or he thought of, and it resulted in him producing the number one film in theaters. Well, I don't know if it's in theaters, not like theater theaters, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we all know what we mean. And Robert De Niro was the star. So an eight-year-old, cute little black boy, um... Oh, so it is in theater. So it's one of the few films in theaters right now. The War with Grandpa has a super interesting story behind it. It's based on the book by Robert Kimmel Smith. And the cast includes Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken. Wow. Uma Thurman. Wow. Laura Marano, Oaks Fegley, Rob Riggle, Cheech Marin. And Jane Seymour. So what a cast. Yes. What a Okay, young man. Okay. So let me read y'all the description. And if, um, I mean, it's in theaters. If you're comfortable going to theaters, I'm sure they're taking their precautions. Yeah. Support. Please yeah. support this this young this young fella. So the description yeah. is: Sixth grader Peter is pretty much your average kid. He likes gaming, hanging with his friends, and his beloved pair of Air Jordans. But when his recently widowed grandfather Ed, who is Robert De Niro, moves in with Peter's family, the boy is forced to give up his most prized possession of all: his bedroom. Unwilling to let such an injustice stand, Peter devises a series of increasingly elaborate pranks to drive out the interloper, but Grandpa Ed won't go without a fight. Soon, the friendly combatants are engaged in an all-out war with side-splitting consequences. Okay, so first of all, give your damn Grandpa the room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny as hell. First of all, <laughs> let your, let your, grandma had a, your Grandpa had a room. Come on now. Oh, but I guess, you know, it's a cute premise for kids to just kind of watch, you know, because I know kids like to watch it with pranks and stuff. So still a cute idea. Um, So the story's path to the big screen was through Trey Peart, who was the young fella, Mm -hmm. age eight. What the fuck was I doing at eight, bitch? I don't know. I was probably crying over a blow pop or some shit. (laughs) Like something ridiculous. I was probably somewhere (laughs) scraping up all my knees and all my elbows. (laughs) Right. 
So mm -hmm. Trey Peart, age eight, Wait he had this movie idea after he read the book. First of all, mm -hmm. who's reading books at, I mean, I was reading a lot, but hello. I mean, I feel like these days kids don't read a lot, but that's great that he mm -hmm. reads a lot. So his parents, Marvin Pete of Brookdale Studios and Rosa Peart of Morrow Media Company financed the film wow. and they produced it with him. It is one of the first family films to go that into so theaters during cute. the pandemic. So I would have never so eight years old first of all reading a book talking about you know what this will make a great movie like I'm out here collecting IP on a like on at eight like no bitch <laughs> what like I was hello. reading it for class I wasn't reading it because I wanted to read it like what yeah Tom something this would be a great film idea <laughs> at age eight no. I was being a fucking fool somewhere. So <laughs> amazing. That is so cute. Mm -hmm. So the Shadow and Actors, where I got this article from, they did an art or an interview with the family. And I will just Aww. read some of the questions just because I am in love with this story. And this is the first time I've ever heard of like a family film. Yeah, that's I cool. mean, I guess those are like real things, but this is the first time I've ever heard of a family film, and I'm glad that it is with this beautiful <laughs> black family and they were able to make this happen. Mm -hmm. So um, Shadow Act, uh, yeah, Shadow and Act asked, how did this project first come about for you all? So the mom was like, it all started, her name is Rosa. It all started when my eight-year-old son, Trey, came to me when he could not find a movie to the book he was reading. <laughs> he was so determined. He was like, where's the movie to this? <laughs> I read this, That's it needs crazy. to be on the big screen. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's cute. So in order to encourage reading, the rule was that if you wanted to see a movie that had a book associated with it, then you had to read the book first. Oh, come on, parents. Come on. <laughs> I who are these people because I need them to like help me out. When that I is have a my key, I'm mean, like, just raise my child for me, please. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna drop them um, off. I'll be back at 18. Thank you. <laughs> so naturally Trey thought that every book had a movie because of that rule <laughs> I love kids yeah <laughs> they're so cute and when he couldn't find it he suggested or rather insisted that it become a movie mm. um and then they have actual quote from the from Trey who was the eight-year-old boy he said I was in third grade reading an assignment for English it was called the war with grandpa there's a rule my mom made that if I want to see the movie, I must read the book. After I was done enjoying what is still one of my favorite books to this day, how eloquent, That's so I was ready to watch the movie as I had completed my side of the deal. What? After, <laughs> I love it. The way this boy speaks. After almost an hour of searching, I couldn't find a movie. I was so disappointed. Then I started thinking, how am I going to be able to watch this movie? <laughs> that is so beautiful. That is, wow. Oh, then it came to me that my parents were in the movie business. What a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. So I told my mom and she read the book and then we came together and made a pitch to show my dad something that my mom had to teach me how to do. Oh, that is cute. Um, and I'm sure he made a pitch deck, peep our last episode. Okay. I'm sure he made a pitch deck to All pitch right. to his daddy. Um, <laughs> Isn't that then, we managed to convince him. Fast forward seven years, it's finally coming out. Wow. That's wow. wild. That's a long time. Like, y'all, they were dedicated to this coming out. 
Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> wow. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh, I want to read this one. It's like, what was so how he was must it like have been eight. With- he must have been eight when he had that idea. He must be like a much older now. Yeah, because I was like, there's no way he was one. Talk about, I was like. And talking about, I want to make that. I mean, you never know. These kids be prodigies out here, like coding at two years old and shit. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, I can't. But yeah, I think he's older now. (laughs) Yeah, he has to be older now, especially the way he's talking. So eloquent and stuff. Okay, so now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So another question was, how's like working for Robert De Niro? And Trey said he is wonderful to be around, seeing him work and the way others worked around and with him was honestly so special. Uh-huh. So like everyone was at their best or striving for their best. Each time he was filming, he also left me a note on the first day congratulating me and saying good luck to the youngest executive producer he's ever worked with. Wow. Oh, that sure was special. That is special. Oh, <laughs> I'm obsessed with this story, y'all, and so I, I'm obsessed. Like, I urge you guys to go and shout on Act and look up the article and read the rest of the interview. It yeah. is so precious, and so why is not everyone not talking about this 24-7? Like, yeah. what? This is a great story, and it just goes to show. You can start at any age. It don't matter, y'all. If you got the idea, you got the know-how. I mean, his parents did already own production companies so that helped but i mean there's always help guys so yeah do it yeah yeah literally do whatever you want to do like Mm -hmm. he got a huge star robert de niro to star in this and also christopher walken also i mean what like these are huge people and cheech 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 man come on come on these are big people so i'm very proud of this whole entire family yeah for for just producing this the first family film of the pandemic number one film of the pandemic so shout out to them shout out to the peers i believe that's how you say their name and Mm -hmm. bless this baby because i hope that he grows up to be anything he wants to be yeah and that is just on that Mm -hmm. so next mgm sets sammy davis jr biopic produced by lena wave Yay. Um, okay, so according to Deadline, Lena Waithe and Risha Rajani of Hillman Grad is producing a biopic of the actor, dancer, and singer for MGM based on the 1996 book written by Davis's daughter, Tracy Davis, and Dolores A. Barclay. Julia Lebdev and Eddie Baseman of Sight Unseen were also produced with the script ugh, written by David Matthews. <laughs> Jesus Lord. That was a long time, but yes. Yeah, so look up all those people um, if you just want to know what else they've done to see if you're interested. I mean, but if you're interested in Sammy Davis, then give it a yeah, shout out. So it'll focus on his later life as he tries to fix his relationship with his daughter. Mm-hmm. In his 60s, he tried to pull off the biggest showbiz reunion in history, but first, he had to mend all the relationships he'd broken along the way to stardom, Ooh. including the one with his daughter. All that yeah. That's so sweet. That's um, the film will Yeah, that's a great, great story, and I'm glad that his daughters wrote the that book. Mm-hmm. Um, also, IP guys, IP hey. is, is huge, friends. So big, so big. <laughs> if you guys don't know what IP is, y'all be like, why is this whole lot saying IP? <laughs> so IP is intellectual property, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like most of these shit that y'all be watching come from books. They're adaptions of books, and the books are considered like IP. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like in the film world, in the film world, IP is like huge. 
Yep. Um, because and those things are made from books. Yes. And it, IP could be considered anything. So you're right. A book, um, it could be considered mm-hmm. like an article based on an article mm. you, you read. Um, it could be even podcasts now. A lot of that's going into um, uh, movie, TV realm as well. So yeah, IP can pretty much be an original source, but most, a lot of the stuff are books. Yes. So guys, definitely just make sure um, that you're just looking into that stuff because a lot of money is is in that business Yep. Um, of turning those things into into stuff. And it's also, it's good because if you're using like IP, it's like those things have track records, right? So it's not like you're just coming in with a fresh idea and people be like, bitch, I don't know if this is going to make money. If the IP it was popular, made money, then bitch, you're probably on your way. Yep. So anyway, back to Mr. Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. Um, so the film will use impressionistic flashbacks to tell the story of Davis's rise from child star to household name, which includes his fights against racism, child, mm-hmm. and prejudice. Um, so Davis, which is his daughter, said in a statement how thrilled she is to have her father's story told on the big screen. Mm-hmm. He and my mother, May Britt, took on the world, choosing love and compassion over hatred mm-hmm. and bigotry. And I am a product of that decision. My yeah. father was an extraordinary man who experienced tremendous joys and fought tough battles throughout his years coming up in the industry. Yeah. His was not an easy road. But like he did in all aspects of his life, he gave it everything he had. And we plan to do the same with this film. That is so beautiful. That is dope. So Lena Waithe also wrote in the statement that Davis was one of the most impactful and influential figures in America. She ain't lying. With mm-hmm. his immense mark still being felt today. His story as a generational talent trying to make his way as a father, husband, and a black man in America is one I have long wanted to, t- to help tell. Mm-hmm. I'm honored to be a part of this great team, bringing such an important story to our community. Oh, that's so, that's so Yeah. And she's killing um, it now, so I'm glad yeah. she got it. Me too, because mm-hmm. it's going to be, whoo, it's going to be good. So it's going to be good. I'm hey. excited, and I definitely will be watching. Yep. So, last news story, it's not like super, well, no, when was October 16th? Oh, that was two days ago. Yep. So, I mean, the things that happened in this article weren't, like, they didn't happen, like, probably last week or something. Right. But I think the show just came out. So yep. we're going to be talking about the show called Grand Army on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Transparency moment. We were going to do a review on this because we saw it was starring Black actors. But then we peeled away the layers and found out some bad teams happen behind the scenes with the writers of color on this show. Mm. So, to get Mm. into the tea. Um, So if you guys have never heard, there's a new teen drama called Grand Army on Netflix, Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be a powerful, nuanced depiction of adolescence in present-day New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, Traumatized, tired, yet stubbornly immune to despair. Um, So it looks, yeah, it's going to be about folks or kids in New York City and how their lives are just going out, you know, throughout the whatever. And mm-hmm. um, it looks very like one of those very dramatic, very sad type of things, very mm-hmm. a lot about trauma and mm-hmm. shit like that. So the showrunner is a woman called Katie Capiello, and she was called out by one of the screenwriters, Ming Pifer. And Ming Pifer is um, an Asian writer, and she basically tweeted, 
And this is what she said. She said, me and the three writers of color who worked on the show quit due to racist exploitation and abuse. The showrunner, Katie, I'm, I'm calling her out, and creator went full Karen. She said, full Karen, bitch. Got it. And called Netflix HR on the black writer in the room for getting a haircut. Mm. That's, okay. that's weird. <laughs> that's fucking <Yes>. weird. <laughs> Yes, you read that correctly. <laughs> mm. Who wants to interview us? So she said, bitch, the gates yep. are open. Who wants she to hear? Right on Twitter and called her out. She was like, I need a yeah. new job. Let's go. Yep. So uh, there were, she said, there were three total writers of color on set, including herself. So that means that there were two other writers of color, mm-hmm. including her. And, and she made like a little thread kind of saying the other things that happened. So I'll just read her tweet child because I just I'm going go straight for it. So mm-hmm. she said it matters who hears you, who says I understand this shit just writes itself. Really heard and understood us when we told you how exploitative the show was. Tried to underpay the Latinx writer who just won an Emmy. Meanwhile, creator who was the Katie Capello lady had never worked in TV before, but three of us had. Mm-hmm. Mm. She also said that Netflix was fully aware of it all and did nothing except mm-hmm. hire more writers of color to lend their names to the show. Mm. Then had the audacity to reach out two years later in anticipation of the release to hear our concerns. Then we told you what happened two years ago. And she <laughs> used the word B. B I H. Somebody else on Twitter asked, Well, why does Moopy gotta be depressing every time y'all get a black girl leave? And she tweeted back and said, Because the showrunner wouldn't listen to the three writers of color, of which I am one, including the black writer who kept asking to not make her storyline poverty porn, which we're so tired of seeing. When we tried to change the story, we were psychologically abused and all quit. Wow. Mm. And that's Mm. a big thing. And just walk away. You know what I mean? Just be like, never mind. Like, yeah, like that's kind of fucked up. So she also said that white creators shouldn't be awarded with shows for abusing writers of color and stealing their stories to legitimize their appropriation and use of racial so she tweeted these things back in June, child. Mm-hmm. Um, she tweeted some things back in June. She tweeted that back in September. And now it's kind of getting notoriety, I guess, because the show is out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a sad situation. I mean, yeah, that's awful. Yeah. That's a sad situation. And I'm sure some people are like, well, Let's hear the other woman's story, the the white showrunner story. Bitch, I don't give a fuck. I'm tired. It's always let's hear their side yeah. and just um act like the the person of color is 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 exaggerating. Right. It's always like we're exaggerating and shit ain't really that bad. When shit is that bad sometimes, yeah. bitch, yeah. what? Yeah. So uh, the fact that Netflix knew is I'm doing the little shame on. on you signal. Come on. Um these things should always be addressed. Immediately, immediately, okay? yeah. immediately. like yeah. never should it be two years later. How um, do you have concerns when the show's about to air? I quit um, in June, sis. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, sis, <laughs> like, right? 
you did not like a decade ago, bitch. <laughs> you did nothing. Nothing. Um, so that's not cool, guys. Yeah, not I cool. usually give Netflix their props for being diverse and whatnot, mm-hmm. but for that, they did drop the ball on this um, because mm-hmm. now she's on Twitter and she is not sparing a goddamn thing. Child. Yeah. She went in her mouth, as she should. I mean, everyone yeah. has a right to tell their experience. And this show, um, like I said, we're going to review it now. I don't want to watch it. <laughs> but it looks like it has a cat. Like, it was a black, one of the leads was a, yeah. a black girl. Yeah, there's and... several black black leads, I think, in the, in the, in the show. Okay, so there's there's a black kids in the show, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't make me feel good to know that writers of color working on the show got treated unfairly, especially the whole calling HR on a black person getting a haircut. What? You got me fucked up, okay? Was if I kept the- you on the street, <laughs> it's you and me. Like, yeah, you know. and you know, that's see, that's the exact reason why California, and I think maybe some other states, they passed the thing called the Crown Act, where you're not allowed to discriminate against particularly black women for natural like their natural hairstyles you know what i mean because of the Mm. the standard that's set like a professional hairstyle always seems to be geared towards sort of like a eurocentric hairstyle not to say that you know black people do not you know wear their hair straight or naturally choose to do so but if they don't choose to do so that don't mean you take away their whole job like what like their whole means of providing for themselves like i don't know why where in history we like we just need to decolonize our minds we really need to like start in this movement where we are not we are not just doing this like uh what is it called uh i think it's called polite politics or respectability politics there we go Mm, we're not where we're not like always trying to conform to something just because it makes you know, white people feel uncomfortable because they don't understand it. Like, I've never heard of anyone feeling uncomfortable over a haircut. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. And right. also, that's not right. an issue you go to HR for. But when you call in 911 for stupid shit, like, it's just a natural thing. So, yeah, exactly. no. Ming had every right to call um, them out. That's bullshit. It's crazy that people in leadership are allowed to honestly do petty shit to affect people like these are their jobs like like no one should feel so uncomfortable that they can't speak up particularly in their experience in their skin about characters that look like them you know what i mean like that's that's fucking y'all 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 are wild so yeah i'm glad she called her out and i hope that she can get some sort of like her and the other writers in that room can get some like retribution for the way they were treated and uh yeah netflix like we love your content but what the fuck do better like y'all should like exactly. do better like that's crazy exactly like what does the fuck is my haircut got to do with me writing a authentic black character like bitch i will <laughs> i will find you <laughs> now you put hr on that call hr now on we, that bitch now we're gonna fight when i see you <laughs> like period right like, like you're doing the, the fucking most, most. um so a lot i like went through the thread and um Mm. a lot of like people from big publications are reaching out to her saying um they want to have an interview with her i think someone from variety reached out to her deadline so i don't believe the katie capiello showrunner person has um said anything but like i said i could i mean i'm gonna believe 
this woman because why not? Like, I'm yeah. tired of it being like, well, let's hear both sides type of shit. Man, fuck that shit. Like, so much shit like this has happened and I'm sure yeah. it hasn't even been documented, okay? That's- so, yeah. I um, stand with this woman all the way um, because if that's her truth and that was what happened, then that's trash. And we'll I hope the other two writers of color that she spoke about are doing great. Okay. Yes. I just hope that they're doing well. Wonderful. And I feel very sad that they were treated that way. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to, you know, give some authenticity to, you know, characters that look like them, like you said. So this is a very shitty story. And like we said, Netflix, get it together. We like your content and you put all my shit on there. You put half and half. You put one and one. You put girlfriends. You put Moesha. You put the Parker. You put the game. Sister, sister. You put all my shit on there. But when I hear that you ain't treating us right behind the scenes, bitch, I have have a problem with that. So get it together. And um, yeah, just literally just get it together. That's all I can say. Yeah. Like, in the wake of everything that's happened, this is not a good look. And I really hope that Ming Pfeiffer, and we don't know the names of the other two writers, are going to get their retribution, like you said, because they deserve. Yep. Because um, it's it's a shitty a shitty situation all around. And yeah. if you want to check that shit out, it's called Grand Army. But I won't be. <laughs> now that I know the backstory, I just uh, can't bring myself to support and give them any type of streaming numbers. So. Y'all let me know how it is if y'all watch. Yeah, I'll be. And I'll that's be, the news. Yep, I'll be on that half and half. Thank you. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's it on period. And with that, we'll be right back. Hey y'all, we back at and hello, hello. we are just like Corey said in the beginning. We'll be doing a review and it's a tv show review um and it is a netflix show it's actually been out since september 25th and Mm -hmm. it's called sneakerheads and let me read the log line for you guys um devin a former sneakerhead turned stay-at-home dad finds himself deep in the hole after falling for one of his old friend bobby's crazy schemes to get his money back the at odds duo go on the hunt for the most valuable elusive sneakers in the game so uh yeah so it stars uh alan maldonado who plays devin if you're not familiar with him he's also on black ish he's been he's been acting i think for a while um mm-hmm. then you have andrew bachelor who plays bobby and you might know him as king batch he's a comedian um, they have uh, Jernis Corachado, uh, forgive me, Jernis, please forgive me. Um, she plays Nori, and Matthew Jostin plays Stewie, and uh, Yanni King Mondashin, Mondashin, forgive me, forgive me, please, Yanni, beautiful skin. She plays um, Christine, who is the uh, wife of Devin. So as we do the review, we go over the premise, we go over the characters, we go over writing, dialogue, and pacing. Just a fair warning, guys, spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen this and you don't want it to be spoiled, this is where you fast forward. But for those of you who love spoiler alerts or who've seen this and you just want to like hear what we thought about it, let's get into it. 
So um, first, overall, uh, about the premise, um, I personally really like the premise. I think it's a world, um, like, people who are deep into like collecting sneakers and understanding the history and the like brands and all that stuff. Like it's a world that is, it's like a huge culture and it produces a lot of money. Like people don't Mm -hmm. play around with these motherfucking sneakers. Okay. And they pay top dollar. Okay. For these sneakers. I don't, I'm not, I, 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 I do not know. I, I just go off of what I think looks pretty. I, I have not ever owned a pair of Jordans. Maybe one day I will, but I'm, I'm just not that like into sneakers like that. You know what I mean? Um, but I, those of you who are, you know, I applaud you, do your thing, you know, just don't, you know, with anything, don't be addicted to it, whatever you want to do. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a really cool world to get into. Um, and I think it's a really cool premise, especially I, even though I'm not into it, I know people who are into it, mostly guys, not gonna lie. I haven't met a lot of many girls who are into collecting sneakers, but I know those guys. Like I remember growing up in middle school, like, I don't know if they still have it, but it was called East Bay. And it was this catalog of all these different shoes. And I just remember like when the new East Bay would come out, like all the boys would be hovered around and looking at sneakers and all this, that, this, that, and the fourth. It was always a thing. If your sneakers weren't designer or whatever, like you would get played all the time. Um, so yeah, like I know those guys and I, I know them grown up. Like they have those small fucking plastic, <laughs> plastic like containers for their shoes, like a full ass closet to the wall of all these shoes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like you don't have a headboard, but you have a full board of like shoes collected looking pristine. Meanwhile, your home looks like motherfucking Chernobyl. <laughs> like what the fuck? So Not yes. <laughs> so I think like I think the premise is like really cool because we get to see a different subculture and like to go on that premise and the importance of shoes but also to see like that character who's grown up and now has a family like how are they how are they kind of like coping now that they have to leave that kind of world behind and particularly with the main character he wanted to create his own shoes too it wasn't just like oh I just mm-hmm. like collecting shoes he was very invested in the shoe business and what he has to sacrifice um, to let that go and what it really means to him. So I think they did a, a good job with the premise and, and well, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty funny. What do you think? Facts. Um, yeah. So I also want to highlight first mm-hmm. that I was looking at the writers and mm-hmm. most of the writers were black mm-hmm. and there were two women writers. So that is exciting. Just want to highlight some of the black writers called Tart Kara Brown, who actually I believe was uh, a nigga that you should know we had one time. Oh, nice. She wrote yep. an episode for the show. Any Clemens and another female writer. She's not black, but that's so cool. Rose McAley. So yeah. shout out to them. Gay it's writer. a very inclusive writer's room, and I hope that they were treated nicely. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sure they were, <laughs> but shout out to that. That's exciting. When I see, uh, I'm looking at the writers and most of the writers are black. That's cool. That's really so cool. that goes into what I thought about the show. I thought it was very authentic and that it, it doesn't surprise me that most of the writers were black. We have two black um, male leads. 
So um, I thought that it was just a very authentic show. I thought, I feel like I was watching two niggas that I know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. I'm like, they were like Leroy Brown down the street and, and um, Ray Ray, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just felt like I was watching some niggas that I know personally. So yeah. that's what I really liked about the show. It was very just comfortable and very um, authentic. So yeah. I really, I really, really enjoyed that. And like you said, I love that they were exploring a subculture that, you've never seen like a scripted series about, in my opinion, like I'm sure they've had unscripted things that talk about that whole sneakerhead hype beast subculture, but a scripted series about it? No, you haven't seen that. And it's a way to kind of highlight something that exists, but doesn't get a lot of like um, exposure and turn it into like real people and real characters. So I like that aspect of it. It definitely was something that um, I watched the pilot. And I was like, damn, this shit was too short. Like, I'm yes. trying to see more. Yes. So that should tell you that it's it's a good show. It was very funny. Because um, the King Batch guy or King Bob, whatever his name is, um, he came from Vine. He started on Vine and then he moved to Instagram. And that's why he kind of got famous. Sometimes he'd be a little too much for me. But in yeah. this, the much was perfect for Agreed. his character in Agreed. this. And um, if he didn't act like that, it wouldn't, not saying it wouldn't be what it is, but his character wouldn't be who his character is. Yes. So I enjoy definitely the chemistry between the two leads. Very important. Definitely like something that I hoping they get more seasons of because it's just, yes. it's a good show. I like the directing as well. Yes. I thought some of the shots were really cool. Um, and I love some of the like, um, some of the things that he did, whoever the director was, I think mm-hmm. one guy directed all the episodes. I liked the way that he told the story cinematically. So mm-hmm. that's another thing I noticed. And it was just, it was funny. It was a good time. Yeah. I laughed. I I felt with them, um, yeah. even in the pilot, because I only watched the pilot. And it's, it's definitely something that you should give a whirl. I mean, even if you're not into sneakers and shit like that, um, it's definitely something you should watch. So I had Googled it, and I guess you can do Google reviews for shows now. Oh. I just want to highlight this this one review that I saw that right. pissed me off a little bit, but oh. it was a good review. Mm-hmm. So the honest person, because usually they'll show you a picture, but it was an honest person, and he was like, I usually hate watching shows that have black leads. That's how he started his paragraph. He said, I usually hate watching shows that have black leads because it's like every five minutes they're bringing up race politics and everyone's tired of that. <laughs> but I love this show because it was black people in the lead, but they weren't talking about race every five minutes and their experiences with race every five minutes. Like it was just a good comedy. And I was like, he's right about being a good comedy, but the rest of the comment, bitch, what? what? Like, ugh, this pissed me off. So if, whoever you are, fuck you. I just want to give you a big ass just so we're clear <laughs> like the black communities are like you know what we need we need this anonymous guy to watch our shit for sure come on guys <laughs> let's not tell our experience because of you okay <laughs> <laughs> right like that pissed me off so bad i was like i have to mention because i want to give him a big fuck you um and um i don't give a fuck if you're tired of hearing about our fucking stories bitch like this is the shit we live every day day in and day out um, don't click on but, it. But I mean, if if a show like this can capture even the racist ass motherfuckers that type shit behind anonymous, that means it's a good show. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's obviously harboring some type of 
all he needs to do yeah. is keep watching Fox News, sis. Like, you don't need to, like... Also, there's, like, so many other things on Netflix. There's Emily in Paris, this little white girl running around Paris, don't know how to speak French. Like, come on. There's so many other things. That. <laughs> Sir. Yes. Yes. Like... Um, but for some reason he liked this show because it was black folks and they weren't talking about anything Being racial, mm-hmm. but, um, they were still black as hell. Don't very. get, don't get us wrong. They were still black were as fuck. <laughs> and the writer's room was black as fuck. So shout out to them and shout out to them being black. Okay. Um, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect from it because I was like, Hype beast get on my nerves, yeah. child. I used to, I was almost a hype beast at one point. I was like, bitch, first of all, it's too much money. And bitch, second of all, I don't got time. So um, it was an unpleasant surprise that I liked it as much yeah. as I did. Yeah, I agree. I really okay. love the um, dynamic of, you can see like the sacrifice that he has to make for his family. I'm glad that they gave him a yeah. family, you know what I mean? And like understanding and the responsibility like it's not like he doesn't like being a dad because he he clearly has an interaction he loves his wife it's just this other thing Mm -hmm. that's pulling at him is passion that is tugging him in a different direction so i think they did a really good job of that and it's just not like a whole bunch of niggas just trying to get shoes like because then it's like not to say that's not important but like if we're talking (laughs) about people who are not like i am not a sneaker person so Listen, I will I will rummage through the Marshall, sis. I will rummage through the Ross <laughs> and find sneakers at that discount, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is cute. And that, it's name brand shit. Like, you know, it's still cute. But I am not that person that's going to be standing around that L.A. block for not Nana shoe. That's just not me. But I, can, but I can understand it. And the cool thing is, like, we're in L.A. Like, I remember, I, I remember driving past Fort, uh, Fairfax and seeing those lines at that small boutique. I'm like... Well, I don't know what mm-hmm. shoe was out. It's like, oh, it must be a new Supreme watch or so. I don't know if they even have watches. Sure. But, yeah. you know, it's like, you you know, like these people understand the culture. You know what I mean? Of And mm-hmm. I think it feels authentic to that, but I can also still be drawn in as someone who's not a part of the specific shoe culture and go along with the ride and the story. So I think they did exactly. a good job of that. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is the characters. And I think you touched base on that. Like, yes, like, I feel like particularly the two main characters who we follow, which is Devin played by Alan um, Maldonado and Bobby played by um, King Batch or his full name, Andrew Bachelor. I think they did a really good job with those characters. Um, I think, yeah, King Batch, when he did bring his stuff on Instagram, I wasn't a big fan of it. But like you said, he was, you know, extra. But I mean, that doesn't mean he is not a not a uh, talented comic for sure. It just wasn't my style of comedy. Um, but I think he did an excellent job with this character. He totally embraced um, that person that we know. I, I feel like everyone knows a friend who has amazing ideas and like has believes in those ideas but does not know one how to do it the right way they have like this hustler mentality and like doing it the right way always feels like the wrong way to them right and they're always getting into schemes and like all these ideas and they will have a pitch for an idea for you but like if you ask them, okay, are you going to coding school? They'd be like, well I don't know about all that like but um you know what I mean like it's like 
they have so many ideas, but they don't have the access to the resources to do it the right way. So they're always on this hustle mode. And usually those people get you into trouble. And that is exactly mm-hmm. what <laughs> Bobby, this character is doing. Cause he's, he's given all these ideas with no capital to bag it up child. Like so many ideas, but his friend is going to be um, the one financing it. And he's the one that got a family to feed. I was like, like, ooh. so he could, he could sell a dream on 50 cents. Like he really can do that. But you know, it, it's, we all, I feel like we all, that was very well done. We all know that person. Um, and yeah, I think Devin, they did a really good job with him with showing his motive and his conflict for sure. They do a really good job of yeah. showing that. And I like that he kind of, he's a loving father, you know, he's a doting husband, you know what I mean? They do show a little bit of a sexual tension with the old flame when he goes to the shoe store, which I'm like, throw that away. I don't need it. Yeah, I I don't need it. I think he has enough angst uh, and conflict already. I don't need him to potentially cheat on his wife. I'm good. I'm Um, over the whole cheating shit. I'm good. Why do I got to (laughs) cheat? Please let him not. I haven't seen the full series, so hopefully that's not even an issue. I pray to God. Um, But yeah, I think he like his character is really well rounded, very funny has um they do a great job with the flashbacks with different parts of him talking back to him in the car and like kind of like mm-hmm. showing the conflict that his internal conflict that he has i thought that was great also i think the way the other characters were drawn in so uh there's a character her name is nori and she's like this badass shoe trader like she don't give a fuck she's just all about the that number so damn rude <laughs> she's so rude and she is like you look like shit anyways do you have the money for the um i don't know five, 10, you know, Jordans that I have here. Oh, you don't? Okay, kick rocks, bye. Like she's always on the phone. She's always making a deal. She always got it, you know. And uh, there's another, um, oh, there's an Asian guy. His name is, uh, the actor is Justin. God, what a fucking, He is such an asshole. See, (laughs) he plays a great villain um, in terms of like in this shoe, you know, world. Um, And of course they have this uh, white boy, his name is Stewie. Um, played by Matt Jostin. And it feels like he just popped up out of nowhere. Like, hey guys, teach me your ways. Like, (laughs) where you come from? So yeah, it's a really cool dynamic. And I think it was smart that they introduced a lot of the new characters around the like lines of trying to get the shoes, right? I I haven't stand in these lines, but I can imagine when you're standing in line for something you're so passionate about and you, you meet different people. You meet people from all walks of life particularly in LA. So I bought it a little bit more in this setting as opposed to like in other shows where it's just like, they just want to be diverse for the sake of diversity. Um, where mm-hmm. this made sense because especially I've seen those lines in LA, they are that. Like there are like kids with rich rich parents with their kids. You have like mm-hmm. all different types of people in the lines ready for these like shoes and stuff. So I thought they did a, a good way of like introducing the characters, especially when they're waiting in line and they're competing in line to get those those sneakers. So yeah, what do you think of the characters? Um, yeah, everything that you said, I pretty much agree with. I love that they showed kind of Devin, I think the main character's name yes. is, his main conflict. So they showed him straddling between two worlds, like wanting to be um, a good husband and good father, but also wanting to like still be hype beast ass head niggas. So I like that they were able to kind of show that conflict right off the bat. That always makes for a good series. 
um, that always shows you if you have like a main character or protagonist and he doesn't have some type of conflict like that, that's pulling him in different directions, then you need to do a little bit more work with kind of working on who that character is. And also it, it may not be a viable series. Right. Um, so I like they were able to show his conflict and weave it in, in a way that you didn't even know it was being weaved in, right. um, in the pilot. So that was, that was great. He's also just a good main character. I just, I just, I liked him in Blackish and I, I think I just like the actor a lot. So mm. I'm just like, yeah, he's great. Me too. <laughs> he's just amazing. Me too. So he's, he's just a very natural actor. It doesn't even yeah. seem like he's acting yeah. most of the time, which is really, really good. So great main character. I also love King Bash or Fox character. What was his yeah. name? Bash? Bobby. Bob? Yep. Bobby, just, yeah, off the chain, over, and just extra, <laughs> doing the absolute most, but it works for his character in this. He's the one with the hijinks. Um, he's the one that's going to get him. He's the one that's going to keep the conflict going right. in the series. So he's there to kind of bring the chaos and make sure that, you know, nothing ever wraps up nicely so that we can continue to have episodes and yep. continue to have a, a, a series. So that's what he exists, his character exists for. But it's also very nicely done the way they did his character right. um, because it just works. Like everything about his character, I think, just works. Yep. Um, yeah, the Nori character, like you said, just very badass, but also just very rude. I found myself annoyed with her at times. Yeah, like, bitch, you don't have to act like that at everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I just hate people like that. But I mean, I guess her character exists um, to show kind of the different people within that subculture so I'm sure the people like her in that subculture maybe that's just the way that they are they just like I'm the shit I'm gonna get these sneakers bitch and you can fuck off and get out my face so I'm guessing they're just kind of showing you know those different types of people also the Asian hype beast nigga oh my motherfucking gosh so fucking annoying I know I five Asian hot beast niggas just like him, bitch. (laughs) Piss me off. So very, so very true. Whoever wrote that character, good job. Because you really hit it on the nail with that one. Very, yeah, very spot the fuck on. Like, so, so, he's so aggy and so cringy. But everyone, I feel like, knows somebody just like him. Just like that, yeah. Um, So great character. And he does serve as, like, a good villain or a good person for them to, um, just be at odds with throughout the entire series so that's another good way to keep that conflict going and i love the little stewie character he's like yeah i used to do antique collectibles and shit but now i'm doing this so he's gonna kind of serve as like that newbie that kind of i think he's probably i mean i haven't watched it but seems like he's gonna be weaved in to go along the journey with them to be like this innocent kind of cutesy character one thing i will say so whoever played his wife yanni king's Munchel? Jeez, Munchen. So sorry, sis. My God. Yeah. We are so sorry. <laughs> Plays wife Christine. I've seen her in other things. I yeah, think she's a great too. actress. She um, I've only watched the pilot, so hopefully they get into her character more and kind of make her more human. Because in the pilot, I do think she was just kind of like, it was very, she gave me like stereotypical Black woman vibes. Mm. So I don't know if the Black woman wrote that episode. Um, Kara Brown was the writer, but she should double check it or something because she gave me like in the beginning she just felt very like what they think a black woman wife is supposed to be she was very like naggy and mm. she seemed very like um she was getting on him all the time like she was very like strong she's on the phone blah 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 but then they softened her up at the yeah. end 
mm-hmm. um, of the episode, but I would have liked to see her act just, you know, like herself instead of kind of being like the idea of what a black woman, a uh, career woman is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So that was just my tidbit about yeah. the way they portrayed that. The one of the only black women I I saw in the pilot. Yeah. Um. But hopefully, as we watch, hopefully we'll get to see more of her character just being, you know, a a, a wife. You know, yeah. she doesn't have to be Miss yeah. Strong all the time because they just want us to be strong all the goddamn time. Um. Type of character, if that makes sense. But other than that, I loved the characters. Mm-hmm. Thought everyone meshed well together. There's enough. Yeah. Um, differing type of characters to create conflicts for the show so good job on whoever created those characters I definitely cannot wait to watch more I really can't yeah 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 I agree I think after this um, while I work on some things I'm gonna have it in the background and watch and probably laugh um, my ass off Um, yes so yeah I agree with you with the characters next what did you think about the writing yeah so I thought the writing was good um, and it makes sense. There was mostly black writers mm-hmm. and also women writers in the staff. So I think that was very good for the type of show that we're looking at. We have two black leads and, you know, it's good that they didn't make them very like wooden or they didn't make any of these like characters very like stereotypical. You yeah. know, you think hype beast, you think of a certain type of nigga. And I don't think Devin is a certain type of nigga I would think about. When yeah. I think of a hypebeast-ass, sneakerhead-ass nigga. And I'm <laughs> glad that they, they wrote him to not be like the stereotypical-ass hypebeast-ass nigga like the Asian nigga. But <laughs> they needed that Asian nigga in there to show because everybody knows somebody like him. So, yeah, I think the writing is very good. It makes the show very authentic. And they did a really good job with weaving in the elements that you need in a pilot yeah. and in a show um so yeah I, I could I could see the different things at work to make the pilot come together and that means that it's it's written very well so yeah I definitely enjoy the writing and I hope I can find a script somewhere because that part was, was written very well that part yeah no I agree with you like I was just thinking like I'm sorry there's a gnat attacking me <laughs> and it's all sight with this that my god sorry so if you see me swatting that the, if you see me just beating the shit out of my face it's because i'm trying to get this that forgive me Whew. okay i'm back rudely interrupted so yes i agree with you i want to read the script because the pilot did a good job of first of all I kept it tight you know what i mean like there was mm-hmm. no wasted space and it was still laid out conflicts quickly we got the characters right away it really like laid it out well that i wanted to keep watching like i actually think it was everybody says you know pilots are always terrible i was like actually i think this pilot was actually very very good and concise um also i loved how in each scene the writers did a good job of capitalizing on little things for the comedy or maybe even big things, scenes. Um, mm-hmm. One scene I love, the, I think, yeah, I believe it's the opening scene, but he's supposed to take the kids to school and he's considered like a, a stay-at-home dad. So the mom is working, but he's, you know, staying at home, helping out. And he seems to enjoy that. The best part, he forgot something. And at first he rolls over his daughter's uh, bike. He was like, shit. Just roll. Yeah, just roll over. And the little white boy that he's doing the thing, he's like, she was like, yes, you 
that was was that my bike he was like no that's not your bike and then like he had to leave and say something else and he and she was like she said she, he said shit and then she said shit right after that he was like hey hey hey, we don't speak wait a minute <laughs> so right after he cursed the little girl cursed and it made sense because you run you rolled over her bike and then he forgot yeah. something and he was just like, fuck. And then he runs back in the house and the little white boy is just laughing in the car like, look at y'all, this is this is crazy. So I just thought it was fun, even in the interaction with him and the, the kid, like it felt very natural. It felt very realistic, but also very funny. Mm -hmm. Another part that I thought was funny in the pilot, I believe, I, I did watch another episode, so I might uh, get it confused, but when he decided to let his friend back into the car and um, his friend Bobby, and he tried to put the seatbelt on, but you know when the seatbelt gets stuck and it's like, you you playing with like, he got in so smooth and then all of a sudden it was just like, wait, get the motherfucker. Ah! Oh, that like, must be from second episode. Cause I'm like, oh, I remember that. Oh my God. Like he just was like, wait, hold on. Just struggling in that. So it might've been the second episode, forgive me, but like just the little things that they pick up and the dialogue, they do very good on the dialogue. And I think that comes mm -hmm. with the character development. They're like, they're super, super funny. So I think they did a good job with the writing for sure. And um, ooh, yeah, transition right into dialogue. Yeah, I just kind of said it anyway. Like, yeah, I think they do really good with the dialogue and matches the characters. What do you think? Same. Dialogue yeah. is perfecto. There's no like idle dialogue. Right. Everything that's put in there is with intention and purpose and moves right. the story along. Um, I think the dialogue serves its purpose as it's very like witty in a way. Like yes. it seems like the characters are always going back and forth, which means mm -hmm. you have good dialogue. Everyone's not agreeing all the time yep. and um, no one's kind of saying exactly what they think or what they feel. And there's always like a hidden layer after like in the dialogue in this show um, for whatever's being said. So that, that always strikes as good dialogue. So it's very authentic too. Like I said, yep just just a good just just good yeah. <laughs> just good stuff <laughs> agreed and uh the last um element we're gonna look into is pacing um yeah we both kind of spoke on it um earlier but i think mm -hmm. it's really really good pacing i think it moves smoothly but it doesn't drag um and you know even given the fact that most i mean sneakers is like waiting in line and buying things the way they put the story together makes it feel like you're going on an adventure you know what I mean you don't feel like you're just mm -hmm. waiting around for something um and it feels like they are on the search for this thing so that wants to keep you engaged and to to get that sort of feeling you have to have the pacing right you know what I mean so I think they do a great job with pacing it correctly especially for a half hour uh comedy and the fact that we you know you said it earlier we wanted more like and I know this is something I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be done with this by midnight tonight because <laughs> that's just what binging is. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, I am. It's going to go and it's going to be great. So, yeah. How, how do you feel about it? I definitely agree. I think pacing is great. I was never bored. There were a lot of, like, ups and downs, yes. I think, with the pacing, which always keeps people, you know, ready for more. Um, I also love the pacing in terms of them introducing all of these characters. So they definitely waited 
which you're supposed to do. If you're introducing characters, you don't want to introduce them all in the same, at the same time. So it feels like they kind of staggered the introductions of all the different characters, Mm -hmm. which was something I noticed that was good. And I guess that was going to pacing. Um, Mm -hmm. Also writing too, but I thought that that was good. So we kind of like got a new character each kind of every few minutes and not every Mm -hmm. few minutes, but in the beginning, every few minutes we would see a new character and be introduced to somebody new for us to follow, which was, which was good. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think the pacing was great. Definitely made my ass want to watch more. So, and I'm actually excited to watch more, which means that you just nailed it. Yeah. You motherfuckers nailed this show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So glad that, you know. So glad that something like this came about. Yeah, really. it's really dope and it's exciting. And yeah, I think they did a good job. So yeah, overall, um, yeah, I don't, we don't really do ratings, but let's say, uh, let's say out of, let's say five stars, what would you give it? I would give it a four. Nice. Nice. I'm it's with definitely you. definitely something you should, you should check out. But I don't yeah. I mean support. Yeah, I agree. I would give it a four, maybe a four and a half star, but I think four is good. It's a good, yeah, it's a good rating. Hey, y'all, check it out. Sneakerhead on Netflix. Um, hey, and if you disagree, yo, let us know. Maybe you don't like it, unless you're that anonymous guy who um, you can keep your comments to your goddamn self. But anybody right. else, <laughs> if you have anything to say, hit us up. Um, you know, we're on the Instagrams and you'll see us in the YouTube comments, like comment in the YouTube what you think like about sneakerheads and yeah, just keep engaging with us. And with that, um, we're gonna yeah. take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we back with the last segment. Yes, the last mm-hmm. segment. We're going to do our niggas you should know as usual. Yes, sir. And my name that you should know is Miss Akila Green. Yay. She is a writer. She just got something um, else in production. I think she recently announced on her Instagram. So oh, nice. shout out to her. Yeah, um, but yeah, she is a writer. She used to be a lawyer um, and then left that job she thinks she's about to be a senior partner and decided bitch i want to write and be a comedian. Oh. so i'm just gonna go into her bio a little bit because it's written so cute on her uh website mm-hmm. so she lived and breathed politics for seven years as a lawyer lobbyist at a swanky firm on washington dc's infamous k street where she represented companies like starbucks and delta airlines she was living the dream it just wasn't her dream and you can only fake the funk for so long before you get what Aquila calls going through the motions sickness Mm, (laughs) very very true Mm -hmm. so on april fool's day of 2013 a year shy of making partner at her firm Akila packed her things just a flat screen and two wine glasses and moved cross country to los angeles to pursue a career in tv writing um yeah so she's written for a number of shows including uh, Black Lady Sketch Show, yes. which is Emmy nominated, by the okay. way. Okay, um, NBC's Perfect Harmony and specials mm. like the Primetime Emmys and NBC's A Legendary Christmas with John and Chrissy. I'll go through a little bit more of her um, credits, too, because I just, I always think that's cool. So mm-hmm. she's done a few ads, Let's Vote Em Out, which is a Planned Parenthood ad, Shut the Fuck Up and Do Something, mm-hmm. I Kneel You Death Segment, um, Netflix University. So these are all ads, which is cool. You can write for ads, guys. Yep. Case people didn't know. You can write mm-hmm. for ads. So um, she's also written for Yearly Departed, which is on Amazon, 
John Legend Bigger Love Father's Day, which I'm guessing is like a special that was on ABC. Oh, nice. Broadway sketch show, like we said, Perfect Harmony, Legendary Christmas, or John Legend. Mm-hmm. She's written for the People's Choice Awards. And you can write for a award show, guys, no. in case you guys didn't know. Um, we did in- mention that she wrote for the Emmys, the 72nd Primetime Emmys, so well. which was this year. Um, and she also wrote for the BT Awards in 2018. Starter Pack, which was a like Facebook watch series. I remember that show because mm. this one Instagram skit girl, she starred in that. that oh, show. nice. Um, and then she also was a staff writer for Chelsea on Netflix. Oh, nice. So the girl got the accolade. I'm out. Okay. Um, so shout out to her. She does a lot of, I saw her because she was on. She did this event for, I think, Women's Weekend Films. That's like a, a group or something. She did an event where she was talking about, like, sketch comedy writing. And yeah. Giving tips about that. Um, I, it's one of those things I signed up for but didn't actually <laughs> sign on. <laughs> went, went live, like yeah. we talked about earlier. So, yeah. Hopefully I can find the playback for that. Yeah. And also she did a panel with the other writers of Black Lady Sketch Show, also yeah. with Robin Feedy. Who yep. created Black Lady Sketch Show. So yeah. she definitely drops that knowledge. So I would definitely follow her on Instagram yes. or Twitter if you can. Yeah. I think her, I think her Instagram and her Twitter. Oh, she has it right here. Yeah. Okay, so it's just her name. Akila A-K-I-L-A-H-G-R-E-E-N. Mm-hmm. So that is her Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and just to shout out the project that she just got greenlit. It's called Nate's. And it's Ooh. a DC bar comedy. Which <laughs> at ABC. Oh, so, DC bars. Well done. Another thing, write what you know, guys. Yes. Write what you know. So she yeah. was a lawyer and a lobbyist in DC for a long time. So uh, she's writing. She's probably been in that bar scene like for years. So she has the story, thing. she has the experience, and mm-hmm. she's writing from what she knows. So those type of things, people love those things when they can sense the authenticity and they know that you're writing something that you've experienced. And you're just telling your truth. People love that stuff. So it got Greenland at ABC. So another lesson, guys. There are lessons everywhere. Yep, yep. Shout out to her. Definitely a nigga you should know. I knew her from uh, some of her, like, uh, the things that she would put out on YouTube. I think they they even were on BuzzFeed for a while. So um, I could be mistaken her with some. But, yeah, she's been creating content um, for a while and been writing for a while so yeah shout out to her um the second nigga i think you should know you probably already know her but mona scott young um <laughs> you know it's not just television with her but of course she founded mona me entertainment which is um, a leading lifestyle and entertainment company that's special mm-hmm. with the specialty a lot of people know her for the production side because of love and hip-hop but they also do talent management and also cross-platform brand development so she does she has a background in marketing so that's why she's good at making sure you know her shit is on period and so yeah she has a good uh track record um not only in television but i think she also started in music publishing food and beverage so she's having multiple streams of income for you hosts so again uh scott young is a ceo of a multimedia entertainment company again mona me entertainment home to grammy award-winning artist missy elliott see i bet y'all didn't know uh vh1's most popular docu-franchise 
loving hip hop. And while, t- I mean, if you didn't know, I mean, which city do you want? It's the foolishness. Um, while talent management and television and film production are the core business, um, her background again was in marketing and branding and uh, consumer product development. Um, she is part owner and chief marketing officer of Mixed Fusions, a fruit infused premium ready to drink Moscato beverages that's taking the spirits industry by storm. See, y'all out here sipping <laughs> on White Claw. Y'all need to be on this shit, okay? She been on this. I thought that was okay? Nicki Minaj's wine. She must promote it for her. Maybe, but either way, I'm going to find it and drink it, because sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> like. Okay, so uh, Mona's intense passion for all that she does effortlessly manifests itself in the many accomplishments, um, her business, the philanthropic work, achievements, and, you know, a lot of people, again, like, they kind of like, they know her from living hip hop and it, it could be a polarizing thing to, to a lot of people, whether you believe it's like, oh, they're showing stereotypes or you show it's like, you know what, they're showing black people, you know, in the culture doing their thing, whatever it is, whatever your opinion is, you can't deny the success and the influence of this show. So shout out to Mona. She's um, Haitian, Aysien, what's up, Sakpase. <laughs> all of that um and yeah she's out here um honestly truly like changing the culture and i i personally think there's a lot of like uh hollywood roundtables and they talk to other producers i have yet to see them talk to mona scott young because whether you like her content or not she has created a lane for herself in a way that most people i don't think recognize enough that's just me whether you like it or not but um yeah so that's why she's definitely a nigga you should know mona scott young um and of course we cannot forget akila green these are two niggas you should know in the industry um yeah fucking the game up so we salute these um women um and yeah we wish them nothing but more success and more projects and more things like everyone should have more things to write and create and do I mean, with all these streaming services, child, it's not enough content, apparently. So everybody should be having a project, um, me and Corey soon. <laughs> so, yeah. So that is um, that is the, what, 52nd episode of Tinseltown Tea? That's crazy and wild to even think about. But yeah, follow us on all the things. Follow us on Tinseltown Tea on Instagram, on Facebook. I believe we have a Twitter and now our YouTube so you can see our beautiful faces. Um, We want to hear from you. Again, like Corey said at the top, anytime you guys like, subscribe, or follow, it helps us so much. Woo!